A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them wrote us up. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's Championship podcast. Well, what a weekend of breathtaking and controversial action across the provinces. There's only one place to start and that was the clash of Waterford and Tipperary at the Gaelic Grounds, a game watched by Anthony Daly. Well, Anthony, you were on commentary for RTE, um, one of the most bizarre games you've ever witnessed. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I suppose half-time against Cork. Uh, you thought it w- you might be no way back for tip, but uh, you know certainly ten minutes into the second half yesterday, they went twelve down and and fourteen men. You you thought there was no way back, but you know a huge credit to Tipperary as well. I think there's an awful lot you know been made of the whole Waterford issues for complaint. I suppose and the main one being the goal, which wasn't the goal to be fair, um, and, and that was a huge momentum shift. But I would say massive credit to Tip as well, like and, and fellas like Brendan Maher, you know, who just literally took the game by the scruff of the neck and said, "There's no more ball passing me, <laughs> be it in the ground or in the air. I, I am driving forward with this ball." And uh, you know, look, to take off Dan McGrath, took off Dan McCormack, who I felt was playing well, and you know, like the subs worked. I mean, Bonner was very sharp when he came on, although he 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 fluffed the chance of the hand pass, all right, maybe which could have been the winning goal, but. But he made a huge contribution, and um, so did Kyle Barrows in the middle of the field. So, yeah, Tip ha- hanging in there, like. But um, because you'd be very hopeful if you're a clear man that that you could go into Turles now next week and, and finish them off because they look tired, they look out in their feet. As I said, they're like a champion boxer waiting to be finished off. But there's a there's a serious defiance about them, and uh, we know that the longer they stay in the championship, the more dangerous they are. But uh, you know, great performance by Waterford as well. There was so much made of that they, they had no chance with all they were missing. And, um, you know, I think having having Manny and Gleeson back was absolutely huge for them. And, uh, you know, playing Brick back, I know he made the one, one crucial mistake, all right, for the one he dropped for Bonner's goal. But, uh, you know, he, he, he showed up things there well for them. And uh, they played very well. It was, it was a great performance, great game. Always a great sign of a match when you're kind of doing commentary and it dies by, you know. Um, sometimes when you're doing commentary and the match is poor you could be looking at your clock like saying how long is left here but God the second half just absolutely whizzed by OK let's talk about the goal situation and some questionable uh, scores as well to Anthony as a former manager have you memories of being on the receiving end of decisions like that? Well I don't know I, I, I don't know look at sure we we had a few bizarre ones in our time I suppose in, in 98 but the, the whistle being blown 
two minutes early like and hadn't to replay an All-Ireland semi-final uh, was a bit bizarre you know thinking you were in the final for about four hours but then being told you weren't um, so no I'm not really one as blatant as that I mean in 99 against Cork we'd have always argued that the ball now unlike this year where Huggy flicked the ball back to Conor Lehan I don't think there was any great protests from the clear defence that the ball was in play but we'd have protested hugely that day that that uh, Jodine the ball was gone wide like and I was very near it and I was convinced so ones like that but not nothing as blatant as uh, as yesterday uh, Colin, you know obviously points that we thought were wide some went our way some went against us but like even from the stand before I saw the replay I had a monitor in front of me but obviously that would take a few seconds to click in you know but um, it was incredible like because Ozzy, I knew he fumbled it, but got it back and came out, and he was fouled. And I said, in the commentary, I said, and no, no free. He's playing on like. And the next thing I see, this fella going for the green flag, like about, I'd say a full second and a half almost after the catch. Like, so just bizarre stuff. And I, I, I'd be straight up about it. I mean, how Alan could go in and hold the umpire on the left hand side, as I was looking, would say the the road side. Um, on the clear end of Altagheri grounds, how he didn't say no, it wasn't over the line and disallowed the goal. Uh, I, because I, he was very quick to disallow, to, to overrule the, that same umpire on on Ronan Maher's point, which probably was a point. I suppose to be fair, he was bang on line with that. But uh, I know, look at even from the stand before I saw any monitor, I, I never felt he was gone back over the line. You know, not not really even nearly or on the line even. You know. I know there's one picture that shows it's sort of very near the line, but still outside it. But the most damning one is the one kind of slightly behind the post, where the ball never appears at the other side of the post, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, like, that just was a huge... I mean, look at Jason. Jason Ford wasn't striking well on the day, unusually for him, and he went out to that free, and probably a sign of a free taker, not with much confidence that he didn't have the distance. Do you know he... You probably said going out with nine points in it. Well, this could be back to eight, or he might he mightn't score. It's a long way out, and if he misses it, they're definitely probably gone. And then for a goal to come out of it, and almost immediately then they got a point to bring it to five, and you could sense then the panic, you know, kind of running through the Waterford veins, like. And uh, now they did well to to hold a two point lead coming down the stretch again, you know, and uh, Park Man with a great point from over near the sideline, um, and. Look, but even the last three, they would have felt it was very contentious. Now, I, I probably thought it was a free on the chop, but how many steps had Jason Ford taken before he yeah. was fouled? Um, so, look, both sides, I suppose, felt slightly aggrieved because the tip crowd felt coming away that uh, Mickey Cahill's second yellow was very, very harsh, and that was harsh, like, because... Your man just dummied him and he, he left the hurley up to, cut, to kind of lock down the ball and, and, and DJ Foran dummied him. So that was harsh, like, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose both sides could feel aggrieved. But, I mean, when there's blatant non-goal given as a goal against John a match of that magnitude, I mean, they had two points on the board this morning, haven't played two games, and now they've only won, and now they, now they have to win in Limerick next week and they have to win in Torres the following week. So it's... It's a tall order with the injury list to have. Uh, do, does it say more about Tipperary's battling qualities, the fact that they've come back in the last two games, or does it say more about the opponents they were playing? 
Well, you could look at it and, and, and say Watford were depleted and did Watford, you know, the scores certainly dried up and did they revert to type a little bit? No, I'm, I'm slow to go along with that narrative. Like that, an awful lot of people were saying that, that they, they sort of defended too deeply when they were ahead. Look, it was working out perfectly. Brick made an awful mistake for the, for Bonner's goal and then the other goal. I mean, how do you legislate for two of those things happening? So, I know I thought everything was going to plan for them. They were they had a lot of runners got on up front, like Tommy Ryan, you know, Brian O'Halloran, uh, Jack Dillon, I thought, made a great contribution. And it seemed to be really working out for them. Um, but, you know, look, you have to say, don't throw in the towel. And I suppose they have been very recent champions and champions don't give in. And that's a huge sign of them. Now, you would look at Cork as well, though. You know, with Declan Hannan gone after six minutes and, you know, Aaron Gillan gone after, what, 15 or 16 minutes. And, you know should be winning the game but couldn't win the game you know so you know you you just wonder where the farm is or is it just this third game syndrome in striking and um, you know we'll we know more about tip I suppose next week because Claire will be fresh now and uh, we'll, we'll smell blood and uh, we'll look forward to Turles and the space and uh, everything like that for, for O'Donnell for McGrath for Kelly all these guys so certainly the temporary legs will be tested next week and um They'll need their forwards to really, you know, attack the clear backs. Like I expect a 15 on 15, so they'll need, I mean, the Cannon to McGrath to Bubbles move that Stephen O'Keefe made an absolutely brilliant save. That was just flashes of 16. And if that could click into gear next Sunday, uh, you wouldn't rule them out. But I think it'll need that sort of thing. Okay, let's turn our attention to Saturday night and... uh... (laughs) Another epic there between Cork and uh, Limerick. The, the sending off, in a strange way, changed the course of the game, didn't it, Anthony? Probably, yeah. Um, just kind of silly out of Aaron, you know. Any cornerback probably at this stage is pulling and dragging. And, you know, I mean, you only look at the Galway backs, the, the six of them are out of the whole game nearly. <laughs> Maybe Barry and Hart. But, uh, you know, you just can't react like that. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't going to kill anyone now with the little chop down he gave but he still struck and uh, be a big, big big learning curve for a fella that, of his ability you know it'll hurt him now to be missing next week and uh, I don't think he'll get caught doing something like that again you know the answer there is to, to put the ball over the bar I know myself if I was trying to put a, a forward off his game and, and he reacted like that you knew you had him in trouble like um, and but the guy that it's remained cold and nailed the next ball that came in between the two he, you wouldn't be digging again to you know not, not, not that you ever had to go down not that route, Anthony. That. No, no, Colin, that is true. No, I never needed to do that. No, thank God. Luckily enough for myself. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, it's just one of those things that did, yeah, maybe sometimes it's like getting an early goal when you're hot favourites. Sometimes it can be the worst thing in the world because everyone says, ah, yeah, this is what we expected. And, and that can nearly seep into the players. And, uh, you know, I suppose Cork then would have felt there. You know, much and all as Limerick have improved and they'll really try hard we'll have enough here you know and uh, it just didn't go according to script like I mean it looked in when Hoggy got the goal you know um, no Limerick should have the ball cleared like but it, it certainly looked that stage 45 minutes gone they've got a goal up that Cork should have kicked for home like but what happens Limerick went up and scored four without reply like 
you know, two two from Flanagan and, and a brilliant score by Daryl Donovan as well. And, and Cork were sloppy around then. Like, uh, John Nash had a puck out to Kyle Hayes. And he gave another perfect puck out to, I think it was to Sean O'Donoghue. I'm not sure which the cornerbacks got it, but he drove it across the field out over the line. And Limerick walked the free out of that. And, you know, they just got sloppy around then. And, um, in, in terms, Limerick, Anthony, of the the extra man... When when you would have been managing, what was your mindset in who you were allocating that role as the extra man? Well, it's it's, it's not really down to you, uh, Colm. To be honest, like I mean, the opposition can't decide really who who the extra man will be because okay, in an ideal world, you want Mark Coleman doing it. So you're John Kiley. You say to Graham Mulcahy, get Coleman. So if that means leaving, don't know who, Callan or Spillane. Just get Coleman. Do not leave Coleman loose. And Shami, try and split yourself between the boys inside and Shami Flanagan, you know. So it's really not up to you, to be honest. Like, and this thing about chopping him up the field is complete folly. Like, I mean, why why would you leave two on two, you know, up back in your own defence? I mean, you have to leave him somewhere back. I mean, and Coleman would be the ideal man to play it. But you won't be given that option. When you think about it, like, they'll just say, get on Coleman, sure. And if... And if one of the other cockbacks follows Mulcahy as well, then you have two of them tied up and you have no extra man. So you'll eventually have to make a decision that we have to go with X guy to be the extra man. So it's not as simple as picking out who will your extra man be because uh, the opposition won't allow you to do that. Okay, now afterwards, uh, Colm Spillane gave an interview to uh, Sky Sports. Something you mentioned in your column in today's Irish Examiner, caught your eye, why so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very interested, I suppose, to watch, you know, the Sky coverage. So I looked back at it, like, uh, late Saturday night. And it was great stuff as well, in fairness to them. You know, it's very interesting to get a player up like that. I don't, I'm not so sure I'd like to be the player straight after a game. Dripping drip sweat and going up into a studio looking at Rachel Wise. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, he, I, I just thought it was fairly astonishing that, that, that Cork were doing... Um, a pool session, yeah, fair enough. But doing some video analysis there on the Monday night and then doing maybe two 40 to 50 minute hurling sessions Tuesday and Thursday during the three week spell. And I, I would have thought, like, you know, if I, thinking back to just 213 when, when the dubs and we, we, had, we had five matches in 28 days, like, we did nothing of that magnitude of training. And, and, and uh, I thought we were fresh for every Sunday. and God, you know, you look at the way Cork have played the second halves of, of, of the last two games, you'd wonder, are, are they just doing maybe a session too many? Like, I would be off maybe saying, OK, go with that Monday night and then don't meet till Thursday night and do your one good hour, maybe. You know, but bringing fellas together three times a week is mentally draining. And I think the biggest thing about this thing is it's, this system is not that it's the physical. The boys love it. Like, I heard Cullum saying he loved it and... We'd all have loved that, I suppose, playing every week and that kind of thing, and you'd, you'd be living like a professional and all that. But, like, you have to get the balance right in in between because mentally, um, like, like, lads seeing too much of each other can be tough going. And that's the point I was making this morning. Like, Nihal Donovan must be sitting back, smirking away to himself at the same time. Like, I mean, he's after cruising through Leinster. Next week's match is a dead rubber. He can play six new guys if he likes. You know, it doesn't matter if they're beaten. They're in the Leinster final. He's a few weeks to get ready for that. 
they'll be hot favourites for that, you know. And meantime in Munster, you know, it's absolute savagery again next week. Do or die, you know. So um, certainly you'd, you'd, you'd be fancying the, the smart money is on Galway all the time. Finally, Anthony, you mentioned there a little earlier, 1998 and one of the great refereeing errors of modern times. Offaly, of course, defeating you and going on to win the All-Ireland. 20 years on and Offaly out of the Leinster Championship. Yeah, and, you know, I would have argued that that we should relook at the whole... Well, I, I, I've, I'm sick of saying this at this stage, that we need to look at the whole thing at the end of the year. And how could you say that Saturday night was not a success in Parky Heave? It was just magic-like. And, you know, I mean, the, the people who created that, like, just... This weekend and last weekend, just massive credit to them. It's been a huge success, but we have to tweak the timings and that kind of thing. And I, I would have been arguing that Offaly should be left up there. And I, I'd hold by that because the last two weekends now have done them no favours at all, like with the heightens they've got and then 12 men against uh, Wexford as well, not good enough really. But you do feel that they're a long way behind in terms of strength and conditioning. Um probably three, four, five years behind some counties. You know, I'd know what Clare would be doing. I'd not a fair idea what Limerick would be doing. And, uh, you know, and Dublin even, you know, there'd be no let up, like, even the last few years, Dublin mightn't have gone so good. But, the, I mean, the work Dublin have put in this year, like training twice a day. And Dublin have been the unlucky team in the championship, to be fair to them. Um, but, like, I still think they're, they're that far behind that this four weeks was always going to catch up with them. And I, I'd be still inclined to say that you know, you bring up the winners of the John McDonough, they absolutely will deserve that. And what a success that competition has been so far. Brilliant games. Again, Westmead and Antrim and Epic on, on, on Saturday. And, you know, so I, I think, look, at we have all no doubt now that things are being done right under Kevin Martin. And really, the players have bought into his system. But they're so far behind. They're, you know, four weeks in. They just have not, they had nothing left last week. Never mind this week. I knew there was no hope to beat Dublin, like with Dublin having a week off, because they were so flat against Wexford physically compared to the Galway game. You know, against Galway, the All Ireland champions, they really had a rattle off them. And Joseph Cooney got a goal just for half time to kind of put a bit of daylight in it. Like, they were really in the game up to 34 minutes, and but they were nowhere near that. Um, uh, last last week against Wexford, they were just the bodies looked dead, and even in the warm up, you could tell. So. I'd love to give them a year now, give them a winter. Like, but if they go down now to the John McDonough, will the players, you know, will they just say, ah, I'm not interested in playing that? I'm, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm losing interest again or whatever, and things slip back again. Because look, the more teams we can get up there playing at the highest level, the better. And there's great work going on in places like Hard or Westmead, Antrim, you know. So. I think, look, a review at the end of the year anyway, and if Offaly are determined themselves that they want to have another cut of it, maybe, maybe Kevin would be saying last night, maybe lads will be going down for the year and try and come out of that jump done it after the two beatings they're after taking, maybe. But I'd like to think if they wanted to stay up there that we'd facilitate them in that way. A glossary of GAA terms, today's term altercation. Go on, set all about my mother again, you b- a frank and honest exchange of views, often querying parentage, may escalate into a... He's scalped, Darren! Melee. Fire in, oh, yes! 
A spontaneous gathering of five or more for conflict resolution. For the very definition in evocative GAA coverage, read the Irish Examiner's team of experts for insights and precise analysis on all this weekend's action. Only in this Monday's Irish Examiner. We define the games that define your summer. Now, turning our attention to football, Tony Lean was in Fitzgerald Stadium, Killarney, for the Munster semi-final between Clare and Kerry. Uh, Tony, a lot of uncertainty about Kerry coming into this championship. What questions were answered yesterday for you? Eamon Fitzmaurice, afterwards, I think he's been pushing this message out all week. There was such a sense of excitement and a bit of mystery about the fact there was seven championship debutants with Kerry on Sunday but I think Fitzmaurice was making the point that if you took David Clifford out of the equation and I I accept that's a sizable player to be taken out all the other players have been in with Kerry not just in 2017 but in 2016. Now what I interpreted from that was Eamon Fitzmaurice saying to the Kerry public look you've been giving me a whole lot of jip for a lot of time about not bringing through these young fellas This is what we've actually been doing with them. We've had them in the background. We've had them in the squad. We've been getting them ready. And you're seeing the result of it now here. If you remember, Colm, last year, there was a lot of criticism of the fact that Sean O'Shea was getting no championship minutes when they needed him. And he was and is an obvious talent. But I think Fitzmaurice's viewpoint is there is a sizable gap between under-21 and senior. There is a sizable gap between National League and Championship. And we were getting the Sean O'Shea's ready for these type of afternoons so they would quite literally hit the ground running and they did hit the ground running. Okay, you mentioned David Clifford there, of course. The marquee name, how did he fare in in his championship debut? I think actually if you were to do a list of five positives for Kerry yesterday, I would rate one of the positives the fact that David Clifford was not a factor. I think for David Clifford's development... The worst thing that could have happened, Cullum, in Killarney on Sunday was David Clifford scoring 12 points because, you know, the hype meter would have just gone off the charts again. He did fine. He scored two points from play, but he was obviously eclipsed by a lot of other players who scored a lot more. And that's lovely from Kerry's point of view. I would say Fitzmaurice is more than happy with that fact. Now, Ronan McCarthy was in Killarney yesterday. He didn't need that game to see what a talent David Clifford is. And I'm sure nobody else does. But I just think it's one of those ones where people need to remember that the lad is 19 years of age. Is he even 19? He is actually 19 now at this stage. And that he's going to have a huge number of big days ahead of him in Kerry. And people need to give him some time. But just in terms of that physicality point that you were making a little earlier, how did he, as a 19-year-old, stand amongst fully grown men? Absolutely no difficulty. And that's it's a great point, actually, because I think what we saw yesterday was the benefit of a first winter and spring of intercounty okay. senior training. I mean, if you stood beside David Clifford, he's a big, big, big unit. I mean, and he is serious power in his legs but what you saw yesterday is the balance the ability to basically shrug off challenges the ability to take a hit and not get knocked over and they're the things I would imagine that you know the last six months has helped him with intercounty wise he is a big unit so he was always going to be able to actually take care of himself in one sense but I think now he has gone from a nascent talent to an intercounty talent in the space of maybe as I said from maybe December to June. 
James, I don't know who, our first real sight of him yeah. in 2018. Yeah, I think, again, going back to that list of five big bonuses for, for Eamon Fitzmaurice, I think that James O'Donoghue getting 50 minutes um, looked actually a small bit rusty in terms, had a very easy chance on his strong left foot from maybe 25 yards out and hit the post with it. And usually those ones are an absolute certainty, but that's fine too. I mean, the fact that he got his 50 minutes, the fact now that he'll get three more weeks before the Munster final. And interestingly, they, I didn't think actually that they would operate with O'Donoghue, Ganey and David Clifford in a full forward line. It wasn't a strict full forward line in the traditional sense, in that one actually dropped off quite a lot. They exchanged that. There were times you saw Paul Ganey out around midfield. There were times you saw James O'Donoghue out around midfield. But it's obvious that they are going to work uh, as a unit. And obviously, I suppose, Eamon Fitzmaurice's viewpoint is the more game time that the three of them get together in the white heat of battle, I suppose the better they're going to be at the business end of the season. Our talk there is all on the attack. Defence was the big, big Achilles mm. heel for Kerry during the National League. Admittedly, it probably wasn't tested hugely yesterday. Yeah. So is it is it too hard to call still? Yeah, I think it probably is. Um they were comfortable enough at times. I mean, basically what Kerry did uh, from a defensive point of view, especially on the Clare kickouts, and Paddy Kelly makes um, good reference to it in the examiner on Monday, is the fact that when they pushed up, they actually went four up top, they went four along the middle, and then the two half-backs pushed up with the midfielders. So they basically had a wall of four, four, and four. Now that's brilliant, obviously, if you're actually pressing up on a kickout. The one downside of that... And if you remember uh, Armagh supporters, you might remember, Cullum, two years ago, Armagh were denied promotion by Tipperary uh, in a last minute of a game. And what actually happened was the tip player uh, kicked, or sorry, the the tip goalkeeper kicked the ball out. It got one flick on and it took out that entire wall and they went down and they got a goal off it. I suppose the only caution for Kerry is that's fine against Clare, but it does leave you vulnerable. And they were happy to go yesterday with Peter Crowley and Jason Foley inside on their own one-on-one. Now, I suppose my big question for that is, is Peter Crowley a natural fullback? He played there yesterday. I don't know how much he plays there for Lone Rangers, but I wouldn't think a lot. Mm. So I'm just wondering, you know... But the, que- the question is, is, is there such thing now as a... An out-and-out full-back in the modern game. Well, what I was thinking is, Peter Crowley played there yesterday. Did he play there to mark the Clare full forward yesterday, or did he play there with future opponents in mind? And I don't know. It may be that Luke Connolly was in mind for Eamon Fitzmaurice yesterday, that we want you in a full-back line to mind him. It's just an interesting one, because that number three jersey, Jason Foley, Mark Griffin, or Peter Crowley, no, I still think it is up for grabs. And one thing you've got to remember, Colm, into that defence, you still have options to come in like Shane Enright, like Killian Young, mm. like Breno Begliak, who got no game yesterday, like Gavin Crowley, who got no game. Sorry, I think Breno Begliak might have got a couple of minutes, but Gavin Crowley got no time yesterday. So there are options there. Uh, what about outside centre-back, Tyg Morley, that, that kind of central channel again criticised in the past? Yeah, I think one of the big bonuses from yesterday um, was Gavin White. Uh, I think that number seven jersey has been moved around. And as you said, Tyg Morley has played wing back. He's played centre back. Tyg Morley is a very capable central defender. And I would see no difficulty in him keeping that jersey. But you're right. It is a pivotal position for Kerry because their Achilles heel defensively has been the fact that 
opposition teams have been able to basically just drive a bus straight down the middle mm. and so there is a presence there Paul Murphy is a lock at five I think Gavin White is a certainty at seven for a Munster final and so yes you e- I think you either look at Peter Crowley or you look at Tyg Morley those two can flip between three and six Was it a systems failure for Clare or was it the fact that Cullum Collins went out to try and play football? Um, I I was very disappointed with Claire yesterday. Uh, yeah, I I understand Colm Collins's, you know, methodology in one sense. He didn't go down to Killarney to keep the score down. He could have gone down and made it maybe a six or eight point defeat, but he tried to play the game, you know, six on six defensively. Um, he says, you know, they were talking about that they tried to drop some players back. I just think it was a really poor performance with no intensity. That's the thing. I was talking to Gary Brennan afterwards. And the thing he even said that surprised him was just that there just seemed to be not a lethargy, but like no intensity. They, they said preparations had gone perfectly. And you have to say that it just looked, Cullum, like a complete malfunction on their behalf. And, you know, they're nowhere near as bad a side as they looked in Killarney, but they just... Uh, they just got an absolute tanking yesterday and it was just one of those ones Cullum Collins needs to just go back into training Tuesday night put that behind him and say right we've three weeks to get ourselves back on track for the qualifiers let's just forget about Kerry of course famously gave uh, Mayo a great game last year in the qualifiers a a team that with with the right draw yeah they will I mean again they are the type of side if they got anybody in Ennis they're going to be a match for anybody irrespective of who they get Mm. in the next round of the qualifiers it just looked like one of those days yesterday where, and they went two points up, remember, but it just looked like, like when Kerry got back in the game and Kerry got a run on Clare, that Clare had no plan B and it just looked to actually just suck the energy out of their legs. Like they were being run ragged all over the field. They didn't have an answer and it just, yeah, it got worse and worse than 32 points. You know, it's 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 an awful total to take. Finally, you mentioned Ronan McCarthy, the Cork manager there in Fitzgerald Stadium. Plenty for him to be going through in the next yeah, two or three I, weeks. I, I mean, did did Ronan McCarthy learn anything? You know about Kerry that he didn't know already. I'm not sure he did call him. I mean, he probably mightn't have seen the likes of Gavin White too often in the flesh before. He saw how impressive an athlete he is yesterday. He'll know all about the Kerry forwards. You know, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Cork going going into this is I thought defensively they set up really well in Thorless against Tipperary. Um, you know, I thought they defended from the front. When they got back, they didn't just defend in numbers, Colum. They defended with great discipline. There was no stupid fouling. And that ultimately is going to be the basis for the plan against, you know, facing Kerry. I have to say... I think if Cork try to take this Kerry team on in a shootout, they're going to come off second best. So I think using the template we saw in Thurlis and obviously just tweaking and improving that, and they, they will have had the, the number of weeks to do it in the meantime, I think they will, they will try to build a foundation of you know almost clamming up that Kerry attack and actually making the space as tight and as small as possible to make it as difficult for the, you know, the Cliffords and the Gainies to actually find room to manoeuvre so I'm not certain Ronan you know it would have been good for him to obviously see some players in the flesh yesterday and you know maybe look at the Kerry's defence and say okay maybe we could look at the Peter Crowley situation maybe we could look at Jason Foley as a cornerback but I think realistically he will set up in such a way as to actually stop from Kerry I would say from 8 to 15. Cork are out of the 
Championship. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media, every one of them wrote us off. There was a statement in the Cork Examiner last Saturday or last Friday that there are four men on the Limerick team that would be afraid to go into a dark room. There's the answer today to those, those four men gave and, and you're that hurt by those remarks? I'm certainly I'm hurt. And the players were more hurt. And they're the ones who, who were insulted this week. And they proved it today that they have this. And our thanks to Tony Lean for that. We're heading from Fitzgerald Stadium, heading up along the western seaboard, up along the Atlantic Way, and we're heading to Pierce Stadium and the action there, the Connacht Senior Football Championship semi-final between Galway and Sligo, and John Dively was there. Uh, John, as easy as the 4-24 to 1-12 scoreline would suggest? Yes, it was really. You know, the game was over as a contest after 15 minutes, in my eyes anyways. You know, there was no way back for Sligo. Probably completely um, up the ante from the word go and hunted breaks and in, in you know in, in packs and drove at Sligo and slick little passes and just took the scores uh, when they presented themselves you know so it really was encouraging like Galway supporters really just sat back and were in bank holiday mode and enjoyed this shooting that Galway put on because we're not used to I suppose seeing too much of it under Kevin's regime but in fairness yesterday. Uh, you know the, the shackles were off and you could just see it was a completely different game than the Mayo game and the lads uh, wanted to lay down a marker for for themselves and for everyone in the stadium that you know they mean business and it was it was nice to be there to witness it okay yeah that was a point that we made when we spoke after the Mayo win two three weeks ago about this Galway system uh, very successful throughout the league but maybe not the most pleasing on the eye what, was it just simply a case that Sligo allow them to play that way or did Kevin go out with this plan in mind? Sligo were poor, you know, to be honest and I, I expected a little bit more um, but maybe we should have really looked at the, the league and, and their form coming in and who they had bet, like they bet two teams in the league that were relegated to Division 4 and Galway obviously had a Super League campaign so Galway are, you know, they're just way more advanced at this stage in their development and for Sligo, I mean, in fairness to Sligo, like Charlie Harrison, you know, tried really, really hard. You know, McDonald tried hard. Um, you know, Paddy O'Connor, I expected more of him. You know, he's a young guy, but some of the guys at Sligo tried hard. But as a team, they they just see, seemed all at sevens, and it was too easy for Galway. Galway are way more composed, and they know each other. Galway, you know, know each other, and they didn't have to be as defensive yesterday. Um, I suppose, you know, they, they probably knew deep down Sligo weren't as good as Mayo, obviously, and uh, they could maybe relax a little bit more and really go at them, knowing that if they were broken down up front, they would still have time to get back because Sligo wouldn't counter as quick as, as Mayo, and that's what happened in the first half. Okay, talk to me about the, the controversy over the venue for the Connacht final. Dr. Hyde Park it is? Well, there's not really controversy. I mean, it's, it's their turn to host it. Um, that's the simple reality of it. I mean, is it capable of holding a big crowd? No, not at the moment, um, because they haven't done enough upgrades or improvements. I suppose we have a very similar situation in Galway in that Tuma Stadium is, you know, the, the so-called home of Galway football for years. Uh, they haven't been able to upgrade their facilities, so that's why we go to Pure Stadium and play most of our games there. So it is what it is. I mean, it's still a 
a football field with two goals and two teams will go at it hell for leather trying to Galway trying to win it back and Roscommon trying to retain it so you know there's not really much about it. it it just will be a pity I don't know if it's been televised or not so if it's not being televised obviously there's a lot of people that won't get to see it they'll have to tune in on the radio uh, if it is being televised it'll take a little bit of pressure off but it's a lot it's a great venue it's a great pitch it's a venue that's very easy for a lot of Galway people to get to it's very accessible, so Galway would bring a big crowd, um, but if it is at 18,000, then there will be a lot of disappointed people outside. What sort of a Galway style will we see in the final? Will it be what we saw yesterday? Will it be what we saw during the league? Or Obviously, I presume you'd, you'd like to see a happy medium. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it won't change too much. Like, It doesn't have to change too much. They're being successful. They're winning games, which is all that's important. And, you know, as Kevin rightly said this morning, you know, he has different plans for different oppositions. And uh, common are going to be better quality. They'll be something similar to Mayo. I mean, that's the reality of it. They have good forwards. Uh, they're a team that always play well against Galway. Traditionally, Roscommon always put it up to Galway, no matter if they happen to be in Division 4 at the time or Division 1. So Galway will know that, and there's a lot of hurts in the Galway lads. I would expect Galway to try and go hell for leather at it again. And we have to remember, Galway were missing a couple of key players yesterday. Owen Kearns was a big loss at cornerback. Uh, Paul Conroy, Kieran Duggan were big, play- big losses around the middle of the park. Um, and I expect and I hope that they will be back if they've recovered from injury. Obviously, Sean Armstrong was carrying a little knock. That's why he didn't feature yesterday. So it was a very good win with a couple of guys getting, um, a couple of guys getting, you know, new starts. However, like you know, you still would be a little bit concerned that Sligo got a lot of space at times. They could have eked out another one or two goals in the second half. That a lot of wides. Um, so that would be a concern if, if Roscommon forwards are allowed some of the space that Sligo got yesterday they will punish us more than you know what, what Sligo did so that's something that Kevin and his team management team and defensive coaches will be working on you know we cannot afford Roscommon to get the space to shoot like some of the Sligo guys were allowed yesterday and that's it for Paper Talk the Irish Examiner's Championship Podcast our thanks to our guests this morning to Anthony Daly Tony Lean and to John Dibley. We're back again, same time, same place next week. Don't forget to tune in for that. Our thanks as always to Larry Ryan on production duties. And don't forget, you can download us on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. We're on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.